Welcome to another episode of the It's Not Brain Surgery podcast. I'm your host for today's show, Paul Camerata. This is the AANS Practice and Business Management Podcast. And today we are excited to interview Jake Weatherford on the topic of personal finances. The specific question is, you have a salary, now what? Jake is a partner and wealth advisor whose primary focus is to provide client investment advice and implement the firm's financial planning strategies. He's responsible for portfolio modeling and financial projections that help clients evaluate the potential outcome of their decisions. He's nearing a decade now in financial advising and specializes in helping clients navigate complex retirement planning and wealth transfer concerns. It was Jake's desire to help people that drew him to the wealth management industry, where he earned the Certified Financial Planner and Chartered Advisor in Philanthropy, that's CAP designation. He holds a Bachelor of Business Administration degree from Oklahoma State University and an MBA in Financial Planning. While at OSU, he was recipient of the General Honors Award. He's a board member of the Downtown Club of Oklahoma City, and he serves as a Division I college football official. Jake and his wife, Shelby, live in Oklahoma City and are the proud parents of a baby boy, Eli. They attend Life Church and especially enjoy traveling and spending time outdoors as a family. Jake, welcome to the uh, It's Not Brain Surgery podcast. Hey, Dr. Camerata. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Well, it's great to have you coming to us from beautiful downtown Oklahoma City. We were just talking about the weather, how spectacular it is down there after really a brutal summer. I suspect <laughs> you had the same as as we did. That's right. Yeah, we're enjoying these 70-degree days now. Yeah, it's just beautiful outside today. I hate to be in here recording a podcast. But <laughs> hey, we're calls and we're going to ask you some questions. So this is a podcast designed for neurosurgeons just kind of finishing out their residency and starting out in practice. So the mm -hmm. the topic today, you have a salary, now what? So what are what are some key tips that you could share for those physicians just starting out in their career? Absolutely. And commend you all for even putting this together and, and having it as talking there. A lot of people, even doctors coming out of school, don't have access to uh, things like this. It's, it's sometimes shocking. And I did a little bit of research on kind of your following, and it seems that some of the doctors coming out may work for themselves. Some of them may work for hospitals. So the difference in employment there is is big key for the, you have a salary, now what? If you're employed at a hospital, a lot of times they may have some recommendations for you. If you're going out and you are working maybe at a, a small practice or you're going to start your own practice, that's where it can be even more challenging. But there is certainly access to savings vehicles in both situations. And just briefly here, I'll hit on a, a couple of the savings vehicles because um, yeah. I think that's a great place to start. So at hospitals, most hospitals are going to have some type of 401k. Sometimes you hear of a, a 403b. There's also 457s, but not at hospitals. So let's take 401k, 403b. Those are very similar savings vehicles. We'll just talk about the traditional version of each. This is, I'm going to put a dollar in, I'm going to save a dollar, on my tax return this year, I'm going to get tax-free growth until I pull it out where I'm going to pay some income tax. So the reason I jump straight to that is 
a lot of times when we're advising younger folks, younger doctors, even coming out of medical school, sometimes you have some debt and sometimes you will often that you do want to start early to save for retirement. So that's often the competing factor. So again, when, when we're at a hospital, we're going to have access to those 401ks. Let's talk quickly about somebody that's going to come out and work for themselves or a small practice. There you also have access to just individual uh, retirement accounts, IRAs. You can mm-hmm. do the, the same type of savings as you would do in a 401k at the hospital. You can do that even on your own. Anyone can do that that has income. And then there's also different vehicles that you could use for your small practice, such as actually a solo 401k if you're wanting to save above and beyond what is offered in the, in the regular IRA. So with all of that, the question then becomes, what do I do? Do I do half? Do I pay off my debt? Do I do half to paying off my debt? Do I do half to paying into retirement? And and that's kind of the next step to that. But Dr. Camarada, a lot of times we see people that aren't even sure of the vehicle that they should be using for, for savings. So that's the first thing is just let's evaluate our options and then let's get to that question of, okay, if I have some student debt, do I attack that first or do I do I go ahead and start saving for retirement? So. Yeah. So do you advise people to, you know, start plugging into these retirement programs ASAP? I mean, just because of the power of compound interest over time? Yes, that's right. And yes is the short answer. And mm-hmm. there's a great example of uh, if I offered you a penny that doubled every day for 30 days, or I offered you $1 million right now, which one would you take? And typically the answer is, oh, a million dollars sound good, right? But after that 30 days of doubling, just 30 days, you would end up with around $10 million. So that's really the better option. So that's just an example of the power of compounding interest, which you just hit on. And that's why we really love people to start saving right out of college, even if you're doing it in a small way. And again, it does get more nuanced when when you have debt to pay off as well. And when that debt is at a higher interest rate, it makes it tough. And every situation is different. But typically, keyword typically, it can be a good idea for people to attack the debt, but also at least start the savings because really just the power of habit. Let's start getting those savings in there and get used to that savings and go from there. So, And you'd advise folks to take advantage of a financial planner early on. Yeah, absolutely. I would, especially for folks that are in your audience or or this audience, because they are going to have complexity in their situation. They are probably going to have a a high income, maybe even at a young age, and then they're going to need to evaluate some debt decisions versus savings decisions. When we start out in practice, we might start out in a practice at a certain salary that within a couple of years gets bigger or balloons. So you have any suggestions for managing significant salary changes one way or the other? Yes, it's a great question. And just to pause and really think about that, it's similar to going from almost no salary to having some salary, right? Right out of college. How do we manage this? But I'll tell you, when we have people with significant raises in their salary or with significant windfalls, especially with the raise, one of the best things to do is to take a portion of that and act like it's not there. So what does that mean? Put it towards the debt or put it towards your savings because you lived fine before you got that raise. 
And the fact of the matter is, if you take 10, 20% of your raise and you act like it's not there, you're still going to be doing fine just like you were. So that's a really good habit to get into. Of When I get a raise, I'm going to take a portion of that and I'm going to put it to that 401k or that IRA, or I'm going to use it to pay off my debt. And then, you know, it's also important though, when, when folks do get a, a raise to, you know, do enjoy a little bit of that, but just avoid the the allure of lifestyle creep and, and using all of that new salary to go have fun. Yeah. You know, people that do have a significant increase in their salary occasionally have a significant decrease. Would you advise them to check back in with their financial planner and make some changes as that happens? Absolutely. That's really one of the greatest advantages of having a planner is having a planner that you meet with on a regular basis and navigating those changes in your salary and in your goals, right? That's one thing that we haven't talked about is, you know, we have this salary. Well, you worked very hard to get this salary. So let's set some goals. And then as things change annually in our goals or in our compensation, let's talk and let's reevaluate and let's reevaluate the plan so that it, it allows you to meet your, your specific goals. How often do you advise uh, meeting with your, uh, with your advisees? Is this an annual thing? Is it more often than that? Does it just depend upon the situation? To a certain extent, it, it can depend. Someone who's retired and their life is very simple, maybe annually is enough. Someone who has a lot of change and as we were talking about, has a change in compensation or change in goals. Typically, it's good to meet twice a year, once a year for an annual update from both sides and then once a year for tax planning. If the financial advising firm does tax planning as well, it's great to meet again in October, November with the advisor. Those of us who pay attention to the market, and I'm not one of them, uh, <laughs> many physicians do, you mm -hmm. know, they're calling their financial uh, advisor even more than that. And you advise, I mean, especially for young, young physicians, sort of being in this for the long haul and doing sort of a dollar cost averaging thing and just kind of forgetting about the individual variances of the market, I suppose. Absolutely. Yes to all of that. And I'll give you a quick example on that. It's kind of like, let's say I'm a doctor and I get out of my residency and now I want to buy my first house. Well, I'm not going to go look at the value of my house every two weeks and see if it's gone up or down. It's of yeah. course harder to do that than it is to go check the market, but treat it as a long-term investment. And that's how you win. Young people have a superpower when investing and that superpower is called a very long time horizon. So yeah, dollar yeah. cost average hit and let it sit there. A lot of times we as humans can underperform the potential of our investment because investing can be an, an emotional decision. And that's really a big role of a financial advisor is to, to help separate that. So a lot of physicians have things that they can invest in. I mean, people come to them with all kinds of strange investments. You review those things. Sure. I mean, I'm talking about, you know, maybe even getting involved in limited partnerships and ambulatory surgery centers, things like that. You go over that kind of thing with your clients? Absolutely. And I, and as I told you, I do have some clients who are doctors and I'll tell you, some of those opportunities are great opportunities. Other of those opportunities are not great at all and need yeah. to be avoided. And you're right. As we accumulate wealth, we have access that we didn't have earlier in our lives. And yes, specifically our firm, we do review that. We work with people on a holistic basis and 
offer advice on all of their assets. I know you're in Kansas City. I've got some friends at firms in Kansas City that do the same thing. So yes, I think that's an important part of the relationship. Jake, are there practices to avoid when you're trying to manage personal finances in in a new salary, things that you want to stay away from? That's a great question. You kind of teed it up for me. What comes to mind is really you're going to be exposed to a different group of people as you continue to accumulate wealth. And again, it's a very good thing. It's not a negative thing, but it can be a distractor. And having someone to help evaluate the new opportunities for you is a positive. And the only other really pitfall that I've seen amongst the distractions is is the obvious one. It's, hey, let's make sure that we're that we're getting our savings out before we do our spending. Because it, it can certainly, as you start to accumulate more wealth and have a higher salary, it's it's easy to just want to go enjoy that. And if, spend, if spend, you re- spend, yeah. Yeah, you know, and if, if you'll just get even just a portion out of there before you are used to having that new amount of money, it in the long run again, it'll it'll really help. Do you ever advise people on practice opportunities? I mean, there are different uh, physician employment situations. Mm-hmm. There are physicians who are salary. There are physicians who FIFA service. There are. Do you advise them on whether going in on an ambulatory surgery center is a good idea or not, or what to do in those kind of situations, or, or would that be more legal advice? Well, it's a great question. It, it, I think it would be a combination. It would be some mm-hmm. legal. It would be some. CPA tax work, thinking through that side of it. And it would be some financial planning and and modeling and where we would help. Well, and here's the other aspect of it. You all know a lot that I don't. (laughs) Surgeons know a lot about their profession that I don't. So from that aspect, obviously, but just to state the obvious, I can't help whether or not it's good to be at a hospital or not, because I'm not a surgeon, right? So I want to acknowledge that fact. But as far as modeling the cash flows and modeling, hey, with this, you're going to have cost sharing that you didn't have if you were just on your own. And you're also going to buy an asset of the building and making things up. That's mm-hmm. absolutely something that we do is we help evaluate from the financial side. Is this even something you should be considering or not? I'm not going to hold you to this, but uh, after the miserable year last year in the in the markets, <laughs> what's your outlook uh, going forward? Well, this is a little bit of a cop-out, but when the market goes <laughs> down, future expected returns go up, right? So mm-hmm. let's use an example. If I'm Apple and I have a certain amount of assets and my stock goes down, Well, we would expect if they still own the same amount of assets and have the same business opportunities, that since it is suppressed, the future expected returns should be greater. So, and the the only other thing that I would say is over the last 100 years, it's probably actually 103 years because I've been using the same example for the past three years. (laughs) Over the past 100 years, we know that the market ends the year in positive territory 75% of the time. Now, there's intra-year declines in every single one of those years. So that's my answer is where do I think it's, I always think it's going to go up. Maybe not always, but I want to get a little more serious and revert back to the young doctor coming out of school. That person that has a 30-year time period that person, again, that's their superpower. It's time. And and I feel very confident telling them, hey, um, the market should be higher in 30 years than it is now because that's what history tells us. So. 
Fantastic. Well, I'm going to just talk a little about your bio here. Are you out there wearing a striped suit on uh, Saturdays <laughs> as a as a D1 official? Yes, I am. I, uh, oh, that is awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. I, I love it. It's a good way to give back to the game of football and, and stay involved. And I love doing that as well. That's fantastic. Jake Weatherford, our guest today on the WNS Practice and Business Management Podcast. Jake, thanks so much for uh, sharing your wisdom with us today on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for tuning in today and join us next week for another exciting podcast on It's Not Brain Surgery.